0: hello everyone this is victor jackson welcome to the bible centered podcast welcome to another episode of bible center with victor jackson uh thank you for joining uh, with us on this journey as we're going through the gospel of matthew verse by verse Uh, I pray this has been a blessing to you. Um, God has been doing some great things and um, there's something just so powerful about the word of God. Um, It doesn't even need commentary. Uh, The word of God just speaks for itself. It's a privilege to be able to share it. My life has been revolutionized by the word of God and it's, it's so impacting. It has really uh, transformed my life. Um, it, it's good for the Word of God to be engrafted in us. And as I tell people, it's like the Word of God uh, grows up with you. Um, you know, when you're a kid quoting, you know, children, are the arrows of the Lord, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You know, the scripture it's powerful, but whenever you're 75 years old with grandkids and you read that same scripture, it, it just means something different. You know, when you're 75 years old with 20 grandkids and you read children, all the arrows of the Lord, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You know, that scripture is just more fulfilling. It just means something different to you in different seasons. Reading through uh, different books of the Bible, such as Matthew, when you read through it over and over again, uh, no matter whatever season you're in in your life, uh, something different shines off the page. Uh, Using Genesis for an example. Uh, when you're going through a storm, uh, you know, Joseph's story becomes relatable. Uh, when you're having difficulties trusting God, Abraham's story becomes relatable. Uh, when you have a desire for God uh, in your imperfections, Jacob's story becomes relatable. When you're trying to be consistent, Isaac's story becomes relatable. When you're facing opposition, um, you know, Isaac redigging the wells. You see, depending what season you're in, there's different stories and different nuances of a book that ministers uh differently, which helps you to relate to it and helps the word to get engrafted uh into your soul, into your spirit. And so it's good to read the Bible every day. And uh I'm so thankful that through this podcast, we've been able to go through the Word of God first by verse and um, I pray that you've been starting your day or on your lunch or at the end of your day being able to reflect on the beautiful words of God. Matthew chapter 11 verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. And they went away. Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is... He of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven hath suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We have played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We we sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Um, Matthew is highlighting, we ended in verse 19. Matthew is highlighting the that Jesus is ministering to the Jews to persuade them that he is the Christ. And he's showing a pattern that Jesus was perfect, yet they did not want to receive him. And they didn't want to receive him, not because of who he was, but because of where their hearts were. And Matthew is showing that point that Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in his life uh, as a perfect man, as a sinless man. And there's something about his sinlessness that magnifies and reveals man's sinfulness, that no matter how perfect Jesus was, Men's hearts wouldn't receive him. And we see this today as well. No matter what Jesus does for someone, it doesn't guarantee uh, that they will serve him. Uh, There are people that Jesus has healed them and opened their blinded eyes. Uh, Yet those people who were healed, they do not serve him or do not believe in him today, even though he healed them. There are people that Jesus unstopped their deaf ears, yet there are people that do not serve him, even though he opened their deaf ears. There are people that Jesus put their marriage back together, uh, opened doors, gave them jobs, uh, did so many things for them. But in the process of time, these people do not serve Jesus. And they do not serve Jesus not because of who Jesus is, uh, but because of where their heart is. What Matthew is highlighting, no matter how perfect and amazing the Christ is, man's hearts are so uh, deceitful and wicked that they won't receive of his majesties. And it's what John said when he said, light has come into the world, but men love darkness for their deeds were evil. And he said, this is the condemnation, light is coming into the world, but men love darkness and, and, and because their deeds were evil, because if their deeds were good, they would come to the light, but because their deeds for, are evil, they run from the light. And so uh, the problem is not with the light, the problem is in the wickedness that is in our hearts. And Matthew is highlighting that Jesus did so much for the Jews, yet, They didn't want to receive him because of the condition of their heart. And he picks up in verse one. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed uh, to teach and to preach in their cities. So while the disciples are on a mission uh, to go and preach, Jesus is continuing the mission, preaching where he is. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now, John had been cast into prison for, uh, condemning, uh, the, uh, the marriage of, uh, Herodias, Herodias, uh, and Philip. Uh, he condemned uh, their marriage and, uh, they, he got put into prison for it. And, um, John, what Matthew is highlighting here is that John had expectations of Jesus, just like uh, he had expectations of the Messiah, just like everyone else had expectations. And what Matthew was highlighting is that uh, because we have finite minds, uh, sometimes there are things that we expect of the Messiah that are not accurate. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when he heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, are thou he that should come or do we look for another? Basically, John is in prison, rotting, receiving the worst of treatment, And he's hearing all of the works of Christ. And so John sends the last two of his disciples saying, are you he that should come or do we look for another? Meaning John understands that the Messiah's ministry is to deliver the captives. And John is hearing Jesus do something for everybody else but him so he's asking are you the one that's coming to get me out of this prison are you our source of deliverance or do we look for another we see the humanity of john here i see you working for everyone else but me i see everyone else getting a miracle but me I see other people are getting healed of blindness while I'm still blind. I'm seeing other people getting healed of deafness while I'm still deaf. I'm seeing other people getting healed of diseases while I'm still suffering with my disease. And I'm coming to church every week and I'm I'm serving and I'm doing ministry and I'm helping people. Uh, Are are you the one that should come or, or do we look for another? Has anyone ever felt that? where everyone else is getting a miracle but you and God is even using your hands to to pray for people to bless people but but it's like when you're in your situation you're all by yourself you you have been used to bring God's message to others and encourage others in their depression but now you're sitting in depression in your prison and it's like, God's not coming to visit you. Has anyone ever been there? John was there. This guy in six months had all the crowds in Jerusalem coming into the wilderness to hear him He is preaching with conviction. He's preaching about repentance. He's preaching uh, about judgment. He's preaching about the Lamb of God. He did his assignment. And now he gets in prison. And as soon as he gets in prison, he hears Jesus' ministry taking off. And it's as if he's being forgotten. And and. And in Luke, it says that he had just raised up uh, uh, a widow's child from the dead. Like he just raised up someone from the dead. And John hears of it and he says, listen, I see you raising people up from the dead. Can you come get me out of this prison? I see you doing stuff for everybody else. But me. John had some expectations of the Messiah, and he was finding it difficult to reconcile his thoughts of the Messiah with what the Messiah is currently doing. The last thing he thought is that he would be forgotten. And the multitudes are coming to Jesus, but he's rotting in prison. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. Now, now, now what now Jesus is, is, is preaching and saying, listen. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached. I'm doing everything that the Messiah is supposed to do. But he said, "Be bl- you you are blessed whenever you're not offended in me. When I do things you don't understand and you still love me and trust me, he said, you're blessed. This is the unwanted blessing. Nobody wants this blessing. There is a blessing that comes when you refuse to be offended in God. When God has all the power to heal the sick, the, the blind, the lame, the leper, the deaf, the dead, uh, the, the, and the poor, and you see that he's capable, But but when he doesn't do it for you, it becomes very uh, possible and very uh, possible for us to get offended at God. Because God, I see you doing this stuff for everybody else. Everyone's talking about checks showing up in their mailbox while I'm behind on the rent. Everyone's talking about how this happened for my son and this happened for my daughter. and We got this building and we got this and And we paid the mortgage off and someone gave me a million dollar check. And we see God is capable. And and that is the most difficult thing when you see God is capable, yet he's not doing it for you. It is in those moments that it's possible for us to be offended. But he said, we are blessed when we refuse to be offended in those moments. He said, blessed is the person who's not offended in me that we have to trust in his sovereignty, that somehow he's working in ways that we don't know and and that I'm trusting his timing. When you're battling in your marriage and you hear about other marriages being restored, when you're battling with your kids and you're hearing about Jesus doing stuff in other kids' lives, when when your business is on, on the brink of destruction but you're hearing your friend's business just go out of the roof with success. It is, it is easy to possibly get offended because we have expectations of the Messiah. And how do we respond when those expectations are being met? But he says we are blessed when we refuse to be offended. There are things that we don't understand. His ways are higher than our ways His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When we hear of somebody passing that we love, it it is, it is possible to get offended at God. God, why did you take my mom away? Why did you take my dad away? Why did you take my grandpa, my grandma? Why did you take this person before their time? I know you're capable. I know you are a protector. I know you're a healer. I know you're a restorer, but God, I see you doing it for everyone else. But me, we're in this prison cell waiting on you to deliver us. But we're hearing all the great works you're doing outside of our prison. But you're not coming to visit me in this prison. Oh, I feel God talking to somebody right now. He said, this is the unwanted blessing. You are blessed whenever you refuse to be offended in me. When you can just trust that I know what I'm doing. When when God disappoints your expectations and you still trust them, he said, Man, that is you are blessed. Everyone wants the blessing of the Beatitudes, but no one wants wants the blessing that comes when we're in our prison cell of doubt and fear. No one no one wants the blessing of, of whenever we say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I trust you. I don't understand why I'm suffering. I I don't understand why I'm in this condition. When John started his ministry, he didn't, he didn't believe that something like this would happen to him. He understood that whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. And John had sown good things into the people and good things into the power and and power of God. He had sown good things. The last thing he expected to reap was to be in prison. So he's trying to reconcile his expectations of the Messiah with the reality of the Messiah. And the the issue was, this is what Matthew is dealing with. The issue was everyone was believing the Messiah to be a liberator from Rome, to liberate them from the oppressive Roman empire, not realizing that he came to set them free from the oppression of sin, that this was more a spiritual issue than a physical issue but they're trying to reconcile their expectations. They they thought the Messiah would be this military person that would come and set them free. And 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 God, if you're setting people free from demons and 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 all of these things, can't you not set us free from Rome? The oppression of Rome? But we see that God is capable of doing this but whenever he doesn't do it that's where it's it's possible for us in our finite minds and our finite thinking for us to get offended at god but he said blessed is he who is not offended in me it's easy to get offended when god's working everywhere else but your home Where where God is speaking to everyone else. Everyone's getting a word. Oh my goodness, I had a dream. Oh my goodness, I had a dream. Oh my goodness, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. And here you are in a prison cell of silence. Where where God isn't speaking to you. It reminds me of the book of Job where the Bible says that Job was complaining for You know 38 chapters he's complaining that God isn't helping him and he began to justify himself over justifying God and the Bible says that when he prayed for his friends after God like rebuked him the Bible says that um, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Now, Job wasn't in any physical cell. A captive is someone that's a prisoner. He wasn't in a physical cell. He, he did not have, he wasn't uh, behind still bars. He, he didn't have shackles on his feet or on his, or on his wrists. But it says that the Lord turned the captivity of Job. It's because he became a prisoner to his own mentality. He became a prisoner to his own imaginations. He became a prisoner to his own thought processes. He became captive to his expectations. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. It is possible for us to become prisoner to our own mindset, to our own thinking, to our expectation of what we wanted God to do and what we expected God to do. It's possible for us to become a prisoner of that. And then it's possible for us to get offended at God because he's not working like we thought he would work. But he said, blessed is the person that's not offended. And what Matthew was addressing is the mindset of the Jews concerning the Messiah. That it was a different type of deliverance. It's not a deliverance from Rome. It's a deliverance from the oppression of sin. And the oppression of sin is greater than the oppression of Rome. Verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went you out into the wilderness to see a reed shaking with the wind? What went you out to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in Kings houses. He said, listen, when you went out to John, did you think that you were going to fall upon someone that compromised their message? A reed shaken in the wind. With any wind, wherever the the culture is blowing, that's where the reed leans. Uh, did you expect to see someone unstable, someone that is trying to appease the masses? Did you expect someone that is just wearing soft clothing that is that is comfortable? He says. He says John was more than a prophet. John was trusted with the responsibility of not just being a prophet sending the message of the kingdom, but he was entrusted with the responsibility to prepare the way for the Messiah. The last prophet before the Messiah uh, inaugurated his kingdom. He was entrusted with the role that no previous prophet was entrusted with. John was more than a prophet. He was a prophet with conviction. He wasn't moved by the opinion, the public opinion of other. He wasn't bought off by the religious system. He was wrapped up in his message. He was more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. and so John was the greatest born of women this this is a jewish idiom speaking to you know an ordinary birth those that had ordinary births there's not risen risen a greater than John the Baptist but he says but he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he what it's saying is John was was desiring for the kingdom to be realized and he never got to see it. But those that are in this kingdom that he was yearning for the least in this kingdom, he said, we're greater than he is because we are partaking of the things that John wished and yearned for. We are a part of something that John missed out on. And so he says the, the, those that are least in the kingdom is greater than John is. And the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. And the days of John the Baptist, like you're saying, like there's just this resistance. The kingdom of heaven is going to be resisted and there there does have to be a like a militant posture in the kingdom understanding that the kingdom is going to be resistant that there's going to be opposition just like they opposed John Jesus is 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 opposed and will continue being opposed but the kingdom expands despite the persecution. The kingdom has expanded despite the persecution of man. And, and we have to stop interpreting persecution as if we've done something wrong. We have to stop. You see, we have to have the conviction that John had. John was in a reed shaken in the wind we have to have a conviction that when opposition and resistance comes against us, that we do not capitulate. We do not complain and say, Oh man, I thought, I thought God loved me. I, I thought, I thought God, you know, I thought this would happen. I thought that would happen. I thought this would happen. I thought that would happen. Um, we have to, have a resolute determination within ourselves that no matter what happens to us, that we're going to hold on to the message that God has given us, that we're going to hold on to our conviction. Resistance is a part of being a part of the kingdom. The violent take about force. There has to be um, a a backbone with mission resistance will try your convictions how how strong do you believe that Jesus is the Christ that he is the only God can you can you hold on to it at, at the threat of being thrown in prison at the threat of losing your inheritance at the threat of losing everything would you still hold on to that conviction the violent taken by force for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. So all the law and the prophets, all the old Testament, they prophesied until John. John was the transitionary, uh, the the transition to transition uh, to Jesus Christ. He was a, a transition ministry. He drew the hearts of the, Children back to the fathers, and the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It was a transition ministry from the Old Testament to the New Testament. His ministry was a ministry of transition. If you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Again, he reiterates that this is the Elijah that the Jews have been waiting for, the fulfillment of prophecy. He fulfilled the role and his ministry ushered in uh, the day of the Lord. But he says, If you will receive it, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. But he says, What shall I like in this generation it is like children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he hath the devil. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. What Jesus is speaking here is that there was a popular game in the marketplaces. The marketplaces were like the center of, of transactions. It was the center of, uh, society. Uh, it's where people bought and sold and, uh, as a center of business. And so there would be children in these marketplaces with all these people from, uh, different places buying and trading and selling. These children would be playing, uh, a game in the markets, and it it was like a modern-day version of Simon Says. So whenever the children would play uh, upbeat music, uh, the kids would dance, and whenever the kids would play sad music, the kids would start mourning and lamenting. It was just a game that they did that when they played upbeat, everyone danced. When they played down, everyone, uh, was, was sad. There was just the game that they played in the marketplace. And so with Jesus saying, listen, we, we gave you joy. He, look what he's showing to you. Look what he's showing to them. He's saying, listen, um, John came to, and he sang a tone to make you mourn over your sins and repentance. And, and, and when he came with that message, you were supposed to be in mourning. But he said, but you refused to do it. You refused to do it because you said, listen, he's not eating or drinking. He has a double. John came with the tone of repentance, which is like a sad song. And you were supposed to mourn, but you wouldn't mourn. You wouldn't play the game uh, because you said, I can't receive John. He doesn't eat or drink. So he has like a devil. He's fasting all the time. So Jesus said, okay, well now I'm coming to you. You said, I won't receive John because he's sad all the time. I won't receive John because he's just too, too much conviction. He's too stern. He's got the, this camel's girdle, he's, he's eating locusts and wild honey, he, he, he's different. I can't receive his message, he's just so different. So, so Jesus says, well, now I'm coming to you and I'm singing a, a joyful song. I'm singing a, a joyful song of the kingdom, of glad tidings, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking. The poor have the gospel preached to them. So I'm doing this upbeat tone but he says, and now you won't even receive that. You won't dance. You won't be joyful. Because now you're saying, well, 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 I'm not receiving your message because you're eating and drinking. So, so you're like a glutton, and and, and you're a wine bibber, and you're a friend of publicans and sinners. He says, listen, I sent John to have you mourn. You won't mourn. Now I come, and you say, well, man. Well, I wish John was a little bit more upbeat. If he was more upbeat, I would receive him. So Jesus comes upbeat and they say, "Well, well man, I would receive Jesus, but I but um but but he he it just seems like he's not serious. He's hanging out with publicans and sinners. I mean, he doesn't even fast. He says, "Listen, I've I've tried to play the game. I sent you people I sent you John to make you mourn. You're not receiving it. I've come to sing an upbeat song, and you won't dance. I sent John, you said, I wish he was a little bit more joyful. I said I come to preach joy, and now you say, I wish he was just a bit more serious and convicting. What Matthew is exposing and what Jesus is exposing in these people is that it's their heart. It's not the messenger. It's their hearts. You know, and and, and every, all, all of us know a culture like this. You preach on hell and they say, man, I wish I would have received them if he would have just preached a little bit more on heaven. You preach, on, you preach something positive, they say, man, I would receive him. Man, he just doesn't talk about any judgment or conviction. So the problem is not the message, and the problem is not the messenger. The problem is our hearts. Our heart always finds a way to divinely exempt ourselves from every message. Isn't this the truth? Somehow, no matter what the message is always for somebody else that is shining light on our sinful nature. We got to ask ourselves when's the last time a message was for us? every message oh that's for her, oh oh that's for him, and somehow you're all you're never the target you're never God's word can never come where you are because We have a way of excusing ourselves and we minimize our own faults and we maximize other people's faults. This is what they were doing with with Jesus. He's saying, listen, the children in the marketplace, they said, listen, when I sing an upbeat tune, you're supposed to dance, but you're not dancing. When I do a, a sad tune, you're supposed to mourn, but you're not mourning. You're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You keep finding a way to not obey and do what you're supposed to do. So he said, listen, John came neither eating nor drinking. And he says, man, he has a devil. You didn't want to adjust to his tune. So the son of man comes opposite and says, look, I'm eating and drinking. And they said, oh man, look, he eats so much and he drinks wine and he's he's a friend of publicans and sinners. But look what he says, but wisdom is justified of her children. He's saying, listen, you can complain all you want. You cannot listen to the message all you want. But those that are doing the tune, those that are obeying what we're saying, you're seeing the fruit in their lives that we're correct. He's saying, listen, you can can not receive the messenger or the message, but those that do, you see the fruit of our wisdom in their actions. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to know the authenticity of my ministry, look at the people who's following me. Because wisdom is justified of her children. oh, that's so powerful. You can say the message doesn't work. You can say this is out outdated. You can say it doesn't help me. But when Jesus is saying, listen, wisdom is justified of our children. The fruit of what I'm saying is being lived out. And so John's authenticity is being shown in his followers. And John is being justified. John's preaching is being justified by how it's being lived out in his followers. And he's saying Jesus' ministry is being justified by how it's being lived out by his followers. Wisdom is justified of her children. So he's saying, don't, 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 don't dance. Don't, don't mourn. But there are going to be some kids that catch this tune. Oh my goodness, that is that is so powerful to me. Wisdom is justified of her children. That the fruit of my message is being lived out in the lives of others. Wisdom is justified of her children. This is just beautiful. That, that just because you're not receiving it, it doesn't mean others aren't receiving it. Just, just Jesus isn't conforming. John and Jesus didn't conform to what they were expecting. And because they didn't conform to what they were uh, expecting, they didn't want to receive his message. They they didn't want to uh, re- receive his message, but God's wisdom is being vindicated, being justified by the fruit of John's life and by the fruit of Jesus' life that's being shown in the people, in their followers. It's like, say what you want, but, but look at the fruit. Look at how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf are raised, the deaf here, the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached. Look at the lives being changed. The Wisdom is justified of her children. So, so people can pr- pretend as if he's not God or pretend as if he hadn't done anything. But the wisdom is justified of her children. But this is shining light on the, the rebellious nature of our hearts. That if Jesus, if Jesus came back today and, and walked among us, you know, people wouldn't believe that he was Jesus. If, if the Messiah, it, you know, there are some people that believe that the Messiah hasn't come yet. Some Jews believe that the Messiah has to come. But if Jesus came today and did miracles, opened blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears, healed the sick, all of this. If he came back today, the Messiah that the Jews are expecting, if he came back today, they still wouldn't believe in him. Because it has less to do with the Messiah and more to do with the condition of our hearts. This is what Matthew is highlighting to the Jews. He did everything that he was supposed to do, but they wouldn't receive him because of the condition of their hearts. You ever had somebody that no matter what you told them, they wouldn't believe you because it's coming from you? you? You could say blessing. You could you could say. The, whatever facts you want, they're not going to believe you because they have a problem with you. If you say the sky is blue, they won't re- receive it. But if someone next to you says the sky is blue, they're looking at them like, wow, that's amazing. I never heard that before. Because their problem is not with what you're saying, the problem is the condition of their heart concerning you. This is what Matthew is dealing with. This is what Matthew is dealing with. He's trying to open up their hearts to receive an encounter with Jesus Christ. Tomorrow we're gonna talk about how Jesus begins to rebuke the unrepentant cities. that pretty much if you you, you don't believe in Christ like believe him for the work's sake one place would say like he's done all the works to show that he's the Messiah but the people's hearts aren't receiving him and Matthew is setting a tone for the type of resistance that Jesus is going to be receiving uh, for the rest of the book of Matthew and showing it has nothing to do with the messenger or the message, but it has more to do with the people's hearts and that the people need to have a heart for God and a heart for the kingdom. And when their desires are on his presence and on God, it, it, The pure in heart shall see God. They will understand. It. You see later he's going to do parables. And, and those that hate him don't understand it. But those whose hearts are open to him do understand it. And he gave parables. So having ears they hear not. And having eyes they see not. Because it's people's heart that determines what lens that they. How they see the world. A heart perspective. A heart shift. And he's showing that it's not about how good he speaks, but that their heart needs to be transformed in order to receive the kingdom and in order to receive his sayings. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I pray that this has been a blessing. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, For more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.